0: Brothers and sisters can uh, settle down now. We're going to start, inshallah. Brothers, if you can come close. بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وبه نستعين ونصلي ونسلم على خاتم النبيين نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الى يوم الدين اما بعد رب اشرح صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل من لساني يفقه قولي All praises belongs to Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala alone we praise him and we seek His assistance and guidance, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the adverse consequences of our deeds. We testify that whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide, and whomsoever He misguides, then none can guide. And we request praises and blessings upon the final messenger, our master and teacher and leader, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, Salaamu alaykum wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuhu. May the praises and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you all. It's a great pleasure to be amidst you all in this wonderful establishment, Green Lane Masjid, uh, an icon. Um, And I don't just say it verbally, but I say it from the heart. Uh, especially as someone who's been blessed to travel to different lands to teach from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, The work of this masjid is iconic. So once again, it's a pleasure to be amidst you all in this wonderful establishment and icon uh, Green Lane Masjid to share with you during this evening some advices from the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he blessed this ummah with the best revelation, the Qur'an. In the best language, the Arabic language. And it was revealed to the best messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Via the best angel, Jibril alayhi salam. During the best night, the night of virtue and decree and power. A night that we call Laylatul Qadr. A night which is better than one thousand months, Laylatul Qadri min shahr, and in the best month, the month of Ramadan, for the Prophet ﷺ said in a sound narration, Shuhur shahr Ramadan, that the best of all months is the month of Ramadan, and in the best of all places, Makkatul Mukarramah, the best revelation in the best language via the best angel to the best messenger during the best night in the best month and in the best of all places. This is the reality of the revelation that this ummah received. And in this best revelation that came to us in the best way and most excellent of ways, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described us, the ummah that has received this revelation, as the best of all nations. We are the best of all nations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the first quarter of the fourth juz, كُنْتُمْ أُمَّةٍ لِلنَّاسِ That you are the best of all nations. Now brothers and sisters in Islam, you and I know very well that this title that we hold of being the best cannot be void of worthy responsibility. The nature of the life of this world is that every title held. It comes with its fair share of responsibility the more noble and greater the title dictates that the responsibility is also greater. We know this, whether we in the uh, for-profit sector or the uh, non-profit sector, every role that you hold, it comes with its share of honor and it equally comes with its share of responsibility. If you look at the corporate sector, for example, you have a manager, and holding that title is noble and that title comes with responsibilities that those below the manager don't have above the manager you have the line manager a greater title with greater responsibilities naturally above the line manager you have the chief operating officer greater title comes with greater perks higher salary but it also comes with greater responsibility Above the COO, you have the chief executive officer, the CEO. Great title, very noble. Not many people qualify to hold that title. In the same breath, it comes with greater responsibility. This is the nature of the life of this world. It's a universal value of life. Every title has a responsibility. And the greater the title, the greater the responsibility. Which means you and I, as holders of the title, the best of nations we need to ask ourselves a very important question what responsibility has Allah placed upon us through which we have gained this noble and mighty title it's not enough to just feel that we hold the title because we happen to be from the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam it was inherited like royalty is inherited it was the qadr of Allah that we were born after the advent of the messenger And Allah decreed for us to be believers in Him. So we hold this title. It can never be that simple. If anyone thinks of this reality in this way, they are merely practicing wishful thinking. So what are the responsibilities that dictate us holding this mighty title? Well, in the same ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cites us as the best nation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us why. He says, تَأْمُرُونَ بالمعروف وتنهون عن المنكر وتؤمنون بالله. That you are the best because you call to, towards goodness and that which is pleasing to Allah and beloved to Allah. And you are advocates against evil. And you believe in Allah. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cites for us in the same verse in which he highlights us to be the best of all nations. And the translation I've shared with you is not an exact translation. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He uses in this ayah, the present tense in all three verbs that are cited in this verse. Ta'murun, Tu'minun. This is the present tense of the verb. In the Arabic language, there's a principle which states وَفِعْلُ الْمُضَارِعِ فِي اللغة العربية يَقْتَضِي وَالْإِسْتِقْبَالِ أو الْإِسْتِمْرَارِ That the meanings of the present tense in the Arabic language, they carry a due meaning. The meaning of something which occurs now and something that continues to occur. Something that continues to occur, such as the present continuous, as we may know it in the English language. So if we understand this, and we know that nothing in the Quran is void of benefit. Nothing in the Quran happened to be revealed with no purpose. We have to ask ourselves an important question. Another important question. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use the present tense for all three verbs? And the answer to that question is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that you are the best of all nations because you continuously invite towards good and you continuously forbid evil and you continuously believe in Allah. There's no weekend from these three responsibilities. There's no bank holiday from these three responsibilities. There's no time out from these three responsibilities. As someone who believes in one Allah and you accept Muhammad as the final messenger, then these three responsibilities fall upon you and are with you with the waking of every day and the sleeping of every night. And they define you with every breath that you breathe. This is what the ayah is telling us. And it's not strange, it makes sense. Because these three responsibilities are mighty ones. And having these three responsibilities apply to us with every breath is even mightier. And this justifies the title that we hold of being the best of all nations. Now in terms of Allah calling us the best of all nations, then consider that the best of all individuals that walked the face of this earth, they were the Anbiya, والسلام, the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they were defined by these three realities callers towards good, warners against evil, advocates against evil, and believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They carried these three responsibilities individually. If we understand this, we can cite these three responsibilities to be the legacy of the Anbiya This was their legacy. This is what they sought to create and worked diligently to create. And when they passed away, Allah subhanahu wa-ta'ala took this legacy and he moved it from the shoulders of one man to the shoulders of another man, to the shoulders of another man from the time of Nuh who was the first messenger until the advent of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the final messenger and the seal of all prophets for there will be no other messenger or prophet to come after him so the legacy in terms of it being transferred from the shoulders of one man to another another man ended with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam but what will happen to the world after muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam for we know That the world continues to exist. Shaytan continues to exist. The battle between truthfulness and falsehood continues to exist. The battle that Shaytan has waged against the children of Adam continues to exist. What will happen to all these people, Ya Allah? If the world continues to exist and mankind continues to exist and the legacy in terms of being transferred from a messenger to a messenger ends with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What happens to the world? And the answer to that question is the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You and I, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You and I, brothers and sisters in Islam, we happen to the world. For this Ummah is an Ummah that came to give, and not an Ummah that came to take. This Ummah came as a solution to the globe and not as a problem for the globe this is the reality of la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah and thus this nation has been titled as the best of all nations because after rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah took the legacy of prophethood and transferred it to the shoulders of an entire nation collectively the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that they will be carriers of this legacy until the day of Qiyamah. This is our reality, brothers and sisters in Islam, and I cannot think of any better, more effective way to run a topic that deals with knowing to growing in light of the new year 2020 than this particular introduction which highlights for us our responsibility that highlights for us the legacy that we carry, that highlights for us how important we are as human beings in existence today. One of the biggest crimes that the ummah has done to itself is fail to recognize the true currency of each member of this ummah. We fail to respect ourselves by realizing our worthiness. That's what's happened. We have not managed ourselves effectively as a member of the best ummah. We, for some reason or the other, we have this inferiority complex. We look up to others to show us the way when the way has to be shown by us. The responsibility of carrying this noble legacy is on our shoulders. And the responsibility of transferring this noble legacy to the next generation is on our shoulders. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question us for what we did, everything that we did when we meet him on the day of Qiyamah. This is part of the reality that comes when you are from the best ummah. Just like the CEO is responsible to the board. The board doesn't talk to anyone but the CEO because he holds the greatest title. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question us about what we did and question us in a way that will be more diligent than any other nation before us will be questioned why because no nation before us was given the legacy of nubuwa brothers and sisters in islam it is for this reason that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi spent 23 years equipping the sahaba to carry this legacy and to pursue his vision of islam reaching the four corners of the globe and not just any islam But Islam upon his mandates, his sunnah reaching the four corners of the globe. His legacy and his vision was so large, he never had enough years to his life to complete his vision in. And he strategized accordingly by equipping his sahaba Radiallahu anhum ajma'een. And thus we see them diligently taking on the responsibility of the messengers collectively and taking islam out of the arabian peninsula and we know where islam reached uh, during the time of abu Bakr, and then in particular during the time of umar umar ibn khattab and in the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's endeavor to equip an ummah he taught many lessons that the lecture of this night can in no way facilitate 23 years of lessons of the prophet sallallahu wasallam especially someone who was blessed with jawami'ul kalim Someone who was blessed with the ability to speak so much in so little, we would need to sit a very long time to not encompass, but maybe comprehend an introduction to the many keys to success that he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, left behind. But allow me to share with you a few of those keys, starting with a key that we take from the first part of the testimony of faith: La ilaha illallah. There is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. And that is the key of ikhlas, the key of sincerity. This key that mandates that as a member of this ummah, we live our life in such a way that we don't speak except for the sake of Allah. We don't remain silent except for the sake of Allah. We don't act except for the sake of Allah. We don't don't refrain from acting except for the sake of Allah. We live our life in such a way that we make our life a waqf, an endowment that no one has access to besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the first key of success or from the main keys of success or the main key of success when living in a nation that has been titled the best of all nations. Moving into the next year, we need to have a plan with regards to This first eye of success, the concept of ikhlas, we need to have a plan of diligence with regards to the first part of the testimony of faith. La ilaha illallah, words that are light on the tongue, but words that come with mighty responsibility. With regards to ikhlas and being sincere, it can never be a discussion void of another discussion. And that is the discussion in relation to the niyyah the intention for the place of ikhlas is the heart and the key that activates it is the intention and that's why the prophet sallallahu taught us several functions of the niyyah several functions of the niyyah to assist us making every breath we breathe for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one of the functions of the niyyah very quickly is that the niyyah helps differentiate between an act of worship and that which is merely a norm, right? Somebody can refrain from eating from the beginning of, from true dawn until sunset, but for the sake of losing weight. They didn't intend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will they be rewarded for fasting? No, because the intention wasn't present. So that act wasn't for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another function of the niyyah is that the niyyah helps differentiate between two acts of worship that are exactly similar. For example, a person who fasts on Monday because it's sunnah, or a person who fasts on Monday because they're making up a missed fast from Ramadan. The, exact, the act is exactly the same for both people. But what differentiates one act from the other? It is the intention and its place is in the heart. And thus, based on that intention, each party will be rewarded accordingly. Another function of the niyyah, brothers and sisters in Islam, and this is where we as an ummah haven't been diligent with, is that the niyyah has the function of converting a mundane act of life, like eating, like gymming, like holidaying, like sleeping, like working, like studying, into an act of worship. Into an act of worship worthy of building our Jannah. And this is what happens when we worship Allah. We are rewarded. And when we are rewarded, the angels build our Jannah. Because we are only rewarded when we live our moments in the remembrance of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah says, he says that the angels are busy building a person's paradise as long as they live in the remembrance of Allah. And when they stop Being in the remembrance of Allah, the angels take a break. Right? We understand being in the remembrance of Allah in doing acts of worship that we consider acts of worship in and of themselves. Like salah, like zakah, like hajj, like reading the Qur'an, like doing dhikr and so on and so forth. These are matters we consider, no doubt, solely for the sake of Allah because we consider them acts of worship in and of themselves. They can be for no other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if we could only be rewarded when we worship Allah and engage Him in those acts which are considered acts of worship in and of themselves, then can you imagine how much of your Jannah you will develop in the life that you live on earth? Because let's face it, brothers and sisters in Islam, how long does it take you to observe Salah, the Farad as well as the Sunnah? In comparison to how long you spend working or how long you spend sleeping. Or how long you maybe spend training? No doubt your salah doesn't take up much of your day. If you thought you could only engage Allah and be rewarded and build Jannah for you know during fasting, for example, well, how much how many days in the year do you spend fasting as opposed to eating? If you thought you could only engage Allah and gain rewards and build jannah as a result through Hajj and Umrah, then how many weeks or months of your life do you spend in the Holy Lands? No doubt, it's very clear. We spend far less of our life doing acts of worship which are acts of worship in and of themselves than doing all the other mundane activities of life like studying, working, gymming and so on and so forth. So how do we ensure that we live constantly in the remembrance of Allah so that we are constantly rewarded so that our Jannah constantly grows for us so when we get there we see a Jannah that represents our life on earth and can be even better than the life that we spent on earth. It's by looking after the func- this function of the niyyah. The function of the niyyah that helps you convert your normal act into an act of worship. How do you do this? You do this by engaging mundane acts of life in a way whereby you differentiate between result and purpose. In my time mentoring, the youth mentoring adults in adult development and community development and and mentoring different communities, I found that by default we tend to conflate result for purpose. We don't differentiate between result and purpose. We do things with our focus on the result, with very little thought regarding purpose. And perhaps we do this because of the weak state of the ummah. And that the game changers are perhaps those who are not from the family of La Ilaha Illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, and no doubt they are those who live for the sake of this life. So for them, it you know, purpose or result, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they are only interested in the benefit now, because they only see their life as a means before the grave, as opposed to Muslims, who see their life as a means for now and after the grave. Let me highlight for you some examples so that we can differentiate between purpose and result. If you go to university for the sake of a degree, that is a person who studies with a focus on results. The result of going to university and being diligent with your study is that you will get a, a degree. Going to the gym for the sake of losing weight or being fitter is Going for with a focus on result, Because the result of training and managing your diet will, in, will entail what? Will you get healthier or unhealthier? What is the result? You'll get healthier. It's a universal law. The treadmill on that day is not going to tell you that brother, sorry, today no benefit. Why? No, you are running for the sake of Allah. You weren't running to lose weight. It's not going to happen, right? Right? It's going to happen. The universal, it's a universal reality. You trained, you watched your diet, you're going to be better off that day. No one is going to take that away from you. It is a result that is attached to your effort. Studying for example, we've given an example. Working for example, a person who works to put food on the table, or quote-unquote, I work for the salary, or I study for the degree so I can get a job. This is engaging yourself in a process with your focus on the result. So as a result of doing this, your jannah doesn't feel you. You go to work, your gender doesn't move. You sleep. Your Jannah doesn't move. You, stay, you study at school. Then you go to university. How many, of, how many years do we spend, subhanallah, sitting on the seat in a classroom? Our Jannah doesn't feel us. Right? Right? We play sports. Our Jannah doesn't feel us. We go on a holiday. Our Jannah doesn't feel us. Right? The, why? The focus is on results. What does purpose entail? Purpose entails making Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the reason why you do what you do. There's a difference between someone who goes to the gym to lose weight and someone who goes to the gym to be fitter because a stronger believer in faith and ability is more beloved to Allah than a weaker one. There's a difference between someone who goes to the gym for the six-pack so he can wear, you know, the latest fashion, right? can look cool on the streets of birmingham right and the one who goes to the gym because he learned from the sunnah that the body is an aman and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam advised us to look after it when you go aiming to please allah your time there becomes purpose not purpose orientated not result orientated and guess what? The result will come anyway, and you won't have to do anything differently. Nobody's telling you you got to run a different way on the treadmill now because you're doing it for the sake of Allah. It's the same effort. You got to bench press, you know, uh, so much now because you're doing it for the sake of Allah. It's the same. It's the same effort. All you've done is utilize the gift that Allah gave you when you became from the family of La Ilaha Illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, and engage your heart, engage your intention. Make Allah your purpose. The same thing with school. There's a difference between someone who becomes a doctor so that he can have a good pay and be respected by society and someone who becomes a doctor so he can represent the religion in the medical profession. Someone who becomes a doctor because the Prophet wasallam said that the one who is in the assistance of others Allah will be in his assistance. Now he's building Jannah or she's building Jannah at university whilst the other people are only building their dunya. And guess what? You'll get the dunya as well because the degree is a result. It has to come if you're diligent. The job afterwards, you'll get your salary. So you'll enjoy the dunya as well. Why? Because that's a result. It comes with the package. But in the same breath, you've enabled yourself to live for today and tomorrow at the same time. Thus you become a 24-7 Jannah builder. Your sleep is for the sake of Allah. You're not sleeping because you're tired. You're sleeping because of what sleep assists you to do for the sake of Allah when you wake up. So the time you spend sleeping, you're in the remembrance of Allah, you are rewarded. Your Jannah is growing as well. This is the first eye, brothers and sisters in Islam. As we head into the new year, in terms of the goal setting that people are talking about, whilst people are engaged in festivities, the Ummah should use the time of work and of school and of university to reflect. To reflect. To reflect. they building their dunya. How can we build our akhirah, Right? How can we build our hereafter? For the parents in the audience. When was the last time you told your child, have a good day building jannah, when he went or she went to school? Have we set that paradigm for them? To the children at home, when was the last time that you told your mother or father when they were heading off to work, that have a good day building jannah? Right? Have you... Inspired your parents to have a different paradigm. You see how beautiful life becomes? How beautiful the job becomes? How beautiful the degree becomes? How beautiful the gym becomes? Right? I've mentioned it in other talks about a case uh, that once reached me. Uh, Someone from the youth was having some difficulty at home with uh, his parents. And subhanallah, astonishingly enough, his question to me, his question was, uh, Shaykh, help me go to the gym. I get strange requests. This was from the strange ones. I mean, I'm not a physical... I'm not specialized in, in training, in, uh, you know, in this field. MashaAllah, now the sheikhs have to be multifaceted. The youth, they want the sheikhs to do a lot of things. So I said, uh, brother, what's your problem? But on a serious note, he had a problem because he had some health issue and he had to lose some weight. And the parents had paid a lot of money uh, for this gym and some trainer uh, to assist him in the process. They invested in his health but he wasn't going to the gym so i said hey brother what's the problem because it's too hard ya i said why is it too hard because i just lose motivation you run on the treadmill they make you run 30 minutes 150 calories I and mean, that's like three oreo biscuits I and mean, this is not fair this it doesn't work right so he was clearly result orientated he didn't see allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what he was doing and i told him that look akhi kareem what if you you know the calorie count that you that you're reading on the treadmill you're not counting calories you're counting trees being planted for you in jannah how would you feel you know for every calorie that's a tree so you make it two trees make it three trees make it 20 make it 100 make it 200 because allah that sounds better right no doubt he's a, a, a he was raised well he fears allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he had a good upbringing he had a realization about the hereafter. he felt motivated by this i said Khalas, don't go to the gym to lose weight go to the gym so that you can represent that part of the Sunnah that is dedicated towards the human the Muslim being a healthy human being. Right? Right? Find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which you do. So this is the first I brothers and sisters in Islam, or the first key from knowing to growing. We know this stuff. We need to grow as a result of our knowledge. We know what La ilaha illallah is. We know the conditions of La ilaha illallah. Right? We know what it means. We know that we worship one Allah. But have we done justice to the application? Have we grown diligently as a result of the knowledge that we have? Let's make this year that we're going into our year is the Islamic year. But for the sake of our norms and everyone's talking about resolutions, let's make this year the year that we grow properly as a result of the knowledge that we have. The second key that I want to share, and it's something that we must be diligent with, especially if we begin living our lives for the sake of Allah and our eating, sleeping, gymming, training, studying, working, everything becomes for the sake of Allah and our entire life becomes a waqf and only for Allah is ihsan. And ihsan is about excellence. Because if you're doing it for Allah, then, don't, then excellence has to be the minimum requirement. If you're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbul alameen, the Lord of the worlds, you're doing it for the Lord of the worlds, excellence has to be The minimum requirement i'm sure you agree allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is worth it we should not give anything below the stature and status of excellence mediocrity cannot be our way because we're doing it for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone our work is for allah so we'll be excellent in our work and let me qualify that statement i mean excellent in effort not result. result is with allah that's the qadr al-kawni the universal qadr of allah but what is in our hands is the قَدْرَ الشَّرْعِ Right? The religious قَدْر Where we can take the means. That is with us. We need to be in, excellent in in effort. Our studying should be excellent. The results might not come the way we intended. That's, that's when we say قَدْرَ Allah. wa شَاءَ فعل. And this was the قَدْرَ of Allah. It's not that you sleep, you don't study, you procrastinate. Then at the night of the exam, you crash study. Then you go into the exam and you fail. You say قَدْرَ اللَّهُ لا, this is not قَدْرَ اللَّهُ يا أخي. This is not the way we use this uh, ahl sunnah we don't doesn't allow people to blame the qadr for their lack of diligence that you created the circumstance that you are in don't blame the qadr yes everything is the qadr of allah but it's bad adab it's bad manners with allah to lack diligence and then blame the qadr no we're saying excellence in effort excellence in effort you are now working for allah you are now a student for the sake of Allah. You are now training for Allah. You are now on holiday for Allah. You are now sleeping for the sake of Allah. Did you take care of all the adhkar before sleeping? The sunnah when sleeping. You're doing it for the sake of Allah, right? So be excellent. Excellence has to be the minimum requirement. We must be excellent, for Allah is excellent with us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Excellence has to be the minimum requirement. And we need to work towards it. I'm not saying... It's going to come overnight, but it's something we should keep in our minds and work towards, right? So when we talk about knowing to growing, we experience ourselves over the course of the weeks and over the course of the months, we are really growing in our our ability as a student, in my ability as an employee, in my ability as an employer, as my, you know, in my ability as a parent. If I'm a father for the sake of Allah, I have to be an excellent father and work towards it. If I'm a mother for the sake of Allah, I have to be an excellent mother and work towards it. If I'm a son for the sake of Allah, I have to be an excellent son, a daughter, an excellent daughter, and so on and so forth, and work towards it. And no doubt that excellence is going to come from where? The second part of the shahada, which is what? Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That you engage yourself in those roles upon the sunnah. You see the application of the shahada in our lives. Many people have a, a very restricted understanding of la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah. But wallahi, this shahada is the shahada because it has to dictate our way with every second that moves on the clock. You do it for the sake of Allah and you do it upon the sunnah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said In the messenger sallallahu alayhi sallam is the best example whatever you do apply his way in what you do if you're a student be a student upon the sunnah the sunnah is the best example for you if you're a parent a child an employer an employee a community member and we all are community members this is also a category that we need to grow how effective are we as community members if we die what will birmingham lose or miss to ask ourselves that question if i'm part of the solution and I'm a member of this ummah, and I was sent to give and not to take, if I pass away, what will this city lose? What will my community miss? Right? What impact have I had? We have to ask ourselves this question. If I'm a community member, for the sake of Allah, I have to be a community member upon the sunnah. If I'm a neighbor, for the sake of Allah, I have to be a neighbor upon the sunnah. If I come to the masjid, where do I put my shoes? Where do I park my car? Because I'm going to be a neighbor to people in the masjid. What is the sunnah here? I need to represent the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in these moments. How best can I do it? And this is you working towards meeting your Nabi at the Haudh, at the basin sallallahu alayhi wasallam and drinking from the Haudh. This is you working towards it. You know, when the malaika said, you don't know what they did after your own Nabi. When they shift members of his ummah away, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is emotional seeing this. And he says, this was Allah's promise to me that they will have access to me. They say, you don't know what they did, O messenger of Allah. Instead of following, they innovated. And those who didn't innovate, they chose to leave. How many of us today leave the sunnah because it's a sunnah? Let's be honest, brothers and sisters in Islam. We want excellence, the best before us. They practice sunnah acts because it was a sunnah. Today we leave sunnah acts because it is a sunnah. Total opposite. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. How are we being diligent to la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. So excellence has to be the minimum requirement. And in your endeavor to achieve this excellence, brothers and sisters in Islam, I want to share some tips and then inshallah we'll end. One of the things we must do, because it's important that every lecture has a how element to it. A lot of the times people say, wallahi sheikh, this inspired me and that inspired me, but I'm stuck, what do I do next? Right, and that's true. That's true. We fail to give a complete package. And I've thought about this from my experience, mentoring different communities, and I want to share with you what I feel works. Number one, each and every one of us here must have a plan that within the first month from now, we develop for ourselves a board of directors. We treat ourselves as a project and we develop for ourselves a board of directors. We identify people in our lives who sincerely desire our success. Someone who is knowledgeable about Islam and can help us with matters of halal and haram and they're responsible. And I'm not talking about the online thing because I don't even want to start talking about the online sphere at the moment and the state of the da'wah online because we might lose the whole lecture. Find someone who is knowledgeable and responsible with the, with the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam who has a vision for the ummah. He's not just good for talking a lot of stuff for the sake of gaining attention. He has a vision for the ummah and based on it, he represents the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Place him in your board of directors. Find someone who will boost your iman when your iman drops because there will be times when your iman drops. It's an nature of life. This world gives us days that are for us and days that are against us. It will happen. Someone who has the ability upon the sunnah, they won't bring bid'ah into our lives. They will boost our iman and be a means for us. Someone who's wise, who will assist us in the decisions that we have to make, the big decisions that we need to make. Sometimes we have conflicting ideas. We have someone to do shura with. Put them in your board of directors. Spend the first month building this board. And tell them that I've identified you as a board member for my project. And my project is called Project Me. And you can call it Project You. Right? I'm a project. Every project needs a board. We can't have conflict of interest where you have you the, you the CEO and the chairman and conflict of interest and you are judge and jury of everything that you do. So I've identified you to help me in my journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I reach out to you within three days, please respond. Because a Muslim should not avoid speaking to another Muslim for more than three days. It's not uh, what the hadith is saying, but it's an application. That we can share give them three days don't scare people say when i call you make sure you answer no, say i'll give you three days and this will help you as well maybe somebody needs some advice from you you can tell that person give me three days because you have your process in order with your board this is number one brothers and sisters in islam work on this and don't undervalue your parents i know we live in different times our parents come from some you know some of the youth they say different cultures different backgrounds they're old-fashioned and so on and so forth whatever the case may be don't undervalue The reality of the hikmah that they have because they have wisdoms based on life that they've lived and remember they lived at a time that us young guys didn't live at and they achieved things that perhaps if we lived at their time we wouldn't have achieved so they've seen life and understood life in a way that other people haven't and never forget that no one is more sincere for your success than your mother and father no matter what the situation is no matter how ignorant you think they are No matter how old-fashioned you think they are, there is no one who loves you to succeed more than them. There is no one who is more sincere for your success more than them. So don't undervalue their importance when you build your board. The next thing, brothers and sisters in Islam, is have cave days in this year. I call them cave days because our, our Islamic history is filled with caves and caves did amazing things for us, Right? Right? You, surah Al-Kahf is a whole surah named after a cave. right? And the cave saved the, the iman of the people in it. The Prophet ﷺ received revelation in a, in a cave. In the hijrah of Tawheed, when the Prophet Wasallam migrated to Medina, they took refuge in a, in a cave. You need to have cave days. I don't mean now build your homes, build, bring rocks and start building caves. No, don't go and upset the family. Set up... Uh, I don't mean that. What I mean is create a circumstance for yourself which is one of reflection and contemplation. Switch off the mobile phone, get off media, tell your family, your wife, your kids, your husband, your kids, I need time out, I am going to have a meeting with myself today. This is my day. And sit down and understand yourself. Right? Understand yourself. Now many times people say, what should we do in the cave day? So I'll share that with you as well. One of the most effective things that I've, that I've benefited from during a cave day is listing every role that Allah has placed in my life. Every role. If you think about your life carefully, you'll see, subhanallah, you have roles that you, you don't even think of. Wallahi. And these roles are of two types. We have roles that we can never give up. And roles that we sometimes give up and we have a break from. We have flexibility with Roles that you can't give up, like being a Muslim, can you give up that role? Being a mother and a father, a parent, can you give up that role? Can you tell your kids it's five o'clock today, Friday, guys? Khalas, no more Baba, Mama, call me brother, huh? You can start calling me Baba on eight o'clock on Monday. Doesn't work like that. You can't give up that role. You can't give up the role of being a community member. You can't give up the role of being a grandparent, a parent, a nephew. A niece, these are roles that are stuck with you. Write all those roles down and think hard. Think hard and list those roles. Wallahi, you learned things about yourself that day that you didn't know. I say to you because I, I went through the revelation myself. And then list elective roles as well. My job, the hobby, the place that I volunteer at, so on and so forth. Roles that you can't give up and you're flexible with. And they will always be the fewer roles. Then highlight for yourself what will please you about that role the day you're about to die? Ask yourself, if I'm on my deathbed, and the angel of death has appeared, and I think of this role that Allah has given me. When I think of that role, what will make me happy? That I'll be ready to meet Allah with that thought. Dream big, write it down. As a mother, this is what I'd like to see. As a father, this is what I'd like to see. As a son, if I'm a son passing away and I look at my father, what do I want to see? Look at my mother. My relationship with them. What thought do I want to have about the relationship that will make me ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Write it down. Right? It's difficult. And the initial cave days will need weeks. We're not cave days, we cave, cave weeks. You need many sittings to get through this. No problem. At least you are growing. You're working towards something and Allah knows you're doing it for His sake. Right? That perhaps if you pass away during that period, Allah will reward you the rewards of the dream that you had written down. Allah is Karim, right? Allah is Karim. He can reward us without effort. Imagine if you're putting the effort and the Qadr takes over. Write down those, those ambitions. The day I die, this is what I want to see when I look at my community, my parents, my children, my spouse, and so on and so forth. The next thing you need to do after you get that done is critically analyze yourself now in that role. As a son, how, how good am I as a son? Write it down. How far am I from that dream? As a daughter, as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife. Don't keep it in your head, write it down. Trust me, keeping it in your head doesn't work. shaitan will spill wiswas over it and make you forget. Write it down, see yourself on paper. I call this a gap analysis. Because when you hold yourself to account now, and you write where you are now, and you've written where you want to be, between this and that, there's a gap. This is your gap analysis. You're understanding the gap between you right now and where you want to be. If you don't understand that you're sick, you'll never seek the cure. So you need to understand your reality. This is how we're going to grow. Okay? This is the gap analysis. After you, and be honest with yourself, be honest with yourself. No one is going to read it. It's between you and Allah. After you're done with that, run what we call a root cause analysis, or what I call a root cause analysis. The root cause. Why? What is the root cause for me being here and not here? Write it down. I want to read Qiyamul Layl uh, every day, but at the moment I'm reading it one day a month or one day every two months. Okay? So you know your gap. Now write down why. What's happened? Right? Oh, I'm too tired to wake up. Or I lose motivation. I want to read one juice of the Quran, but I'm reading a few pages. So now you know your gap. Few pages of the Qur'an, one juz. I want to get there. Before I die, I want to know that every day I read one juz, I used to complete a musaf every 30 days. Right? And the ulama of the ummah used to consider this part of being a strong Muslim, a Muslim of strong faith. Okay, why am I here? Maybe my recitation is weak, so it takes me too long to recite. So it's just not practical in my day to be able to achieve that. Maybe I lose motivation. So now you're writing the causes. Gap analysis, then root cause analysis. The third thing you're going to do is run a solutions analysis. What can I do to close this gap? What can I do to close this gap? If you lose motivation, maybe get a Quran buddy or someone to fast with you. Right? So together, you do it. So you keep each other motivated. If I do it in pairs, it will inspire me to, to complete it. Maybe my Quran recitation is slow. Maybe I don't know the the rulings of this salah or that salah, etc. Let me get a teacher who will teach me Quran, who will strengthen my recitation. So I'll become a more equipped reciter. So I can recite more pages in the time that that I have. Right now, maybe I'm reciting two pages because I'm weak. Maybe I can do 10 pages. So now you're writing down solutions. Okay? And then brothers and sisters in Islam, set yourself targets. But don't set yourself targets in a way that they define you. No, set yourself targets... So at least you have some metrics in terms of your development. And I highlight this because some of the youth that I develop, when, I, w- when you set targets and they become target-orientated, the target makes them lose motivation because everything about them is hitting the target. If I didn't hit the target, I failed. And no, life is not like that. Remember we said excellence in effort. Sometimes you don't hit the targets. Qadar. maybe you overplanned. Maybe you know different. Maybe you were not well. Maybe some guests came for that month. So put the targets not to define you, but for you to have some form of measurement of your development, okay? With your Qur'an, your relationship with Allah, with your parenting. Do I need to take a course? Do I need to get anger management, right? You know, one of the greatest things that have come out from this process when I've I've mentored people and put them on this plan, someone said, Sheikh, you know what I've realized? The roles that I can't give up, I'm not giving them the priority that they deserve. I said, what do you mean? He says, I've realized that the roles that I have flexibility with, which no doubt have a lesser importance than the roles that I can't give up. I'm giving these roles more important, more importance and as a result, the roles that I can't give up are suffering. I said, what do you mean? He says, I give so much priority to my job that my role as a father is, 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 uh, is failing. Subhanallah. The process made him realize that he's got an issue with priorities even. And I'm sure many of us will have that. That we've... Or someone said, subhanallah, I convinced myself giving time to the job because I made my relationship as a father about providing for my child. I didn't think of inspiring him towards this, inspiring him towards that. Now that he had time to think, he got out of the hustle and bustle of life. He started remembering things about himself that he always had but he was heedless about This is the power of this process. It's not strange brothers and sisters that the Messenger was in a cave for a long time before revelation came to him. Reflection. Board of Directors and cave days. These are two tools I can share with you from my own experience and tips in terms of how to run your cave days from my own experience that can help you run yourself this year in a way that you know and you grow. MashaAllah, you have this wonderful masjid and we started this talk highlighting the efforts of this masjid. Just last week, you had this phenomenal uh, conference where you were able to study at the hands of mashayikh that maybe people in Saudi Arabia don't get a chance to, to sit with them. That's a fact. That is a fact. Right? There's a lot of knowing going on, a lot of learning going on. Correct? Alhamdulillah. The masjid can give what it can give, but the masjid cannot make you Transform. Transformation comes from you The knowledge of Islam is transformational We cannot be like those people Who behave like a rocking horse They move but they don't progress And there's a difference between movement and progress A rocking horse moves but does it progress? It doesn't progress, it rocks It rocks on the same spot Shaitan is happy to deceive us Where he puts us in a vortex of constant learning So we're constantly moving but we are not progressing in our journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a lot of knowing and not enough growing. It's reflective days that help us engage our Lord in a better way and help our lives evolve. Brothers and sisters in Islam, few words, but insha'Allah, as the saying says, uh, goes, kalami ma qalla wa dal." The best speech is that which is uh, short, ودل, and, and and to the point. It, 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 it gives... Uh, clear, manifest uh, outcomes. I pray this talk was from those. I love you all for the sake of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive our past, inspire our futures, and make us that ummah that is a ummah worthy of carrying the legacy of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi Wasallam and his brethren from the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wa And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cause us to pass away whilst having passed the test of this legacy of carrying this legacy Ameen. ya rab al alamin jazakumullahu khairan everything correct said is from allah alone and he is perfect and any mistakes are from myself and shaytan and i seek his forgiveness wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh